Hello, people, and welcome to the Rock Show. Today we got a very special episode. We're from the international, and um, we're live, and it's Sunday, first day of football, and we're talking about the Man in Black, a guy called Jr. Jr. Cash, originally which, Jr. Yes. So, um, Hello, tell everybody. me, chat me up, man. Okay. What you got, Mike? Okay. How you doing today, everybody? Uh, nice little vodka soda to start with. Thank you, Rob. Yep. All right, we're going to talk about Johnny Cash. Uh, it's the first of two parts, and Johnny Cash one of my personal heroes, so it's going to be a good show. Uh, let's start right now. He, he was born February 26, 1932, in Kingsland, Arkansas. I was amazed by that, Arkansas. Arkansas, yeah. I was like, holy shit, yeah. I'm a guy. Yeah, no, he's, he's from there. Uh, his, his mother and father was Carrie and Ray Cash. He was the fourth of seven kids. Yeah. Uh, the oldest was Roy. Then there was Margaret Louise. Jack was his older brother. JR, that was his name, his birth name, actually. Yeah. And Reba, Joanne, and Tommy. Tommy would actually have a small country career of his own. Um, they were basically of English and Scottish descent. Yep. Now, Johnny was born with the name JR. That's on his birth certificate. But he would change that later on in life when he joined the Air Force because he couldn't have initials in the Air Force as yeah. his name. Yeah, you're not allowed to do that. So he, uh, he changed it to Johnny. He always went by that. But as a kid, he was known as JR. Um, when he was three years old in March of 1935, his family moved to Diaz, Arkansas. Now, Diaz was a place that the Roosevelt administration had used as a New Deal colony. Basically what that was is you could pick cotton on land, on you know, certain land, and eventually you would be able to buy that land. Yep. Okay, so that's what his family did. Uh, they picked cotton and uh, worked as almost like migrant farmers. Okay, in that area, um, there's a great song that Johnny would write later on called Five Feet High and Rising." Yep. Okay, and uh, it's a great song. It just tells a story about how there was a flood, and that's a true story. There was a, there was a huge flood in Arkansas. His family had to be evacuated out. They, well, his father had to get everybody out, and they basically escaped on a on a on a door floating, you know, door from the kitchen or something like that, just to get out of there, you know. Um, he was very close with his brother Jack. Yeah. His brother was just a couple of years older than him. Um, May 13th, 1944, his, his brother Jack would suffer a, a, a fatal accident. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say that this guy is like a very, he came from a um, working class family. Like this guy wasn't poor. like a guy, he was poor. poor. He was not, dirt not poor. Not even working class. You're bringing up Jack. That day, the mother, even Johnny Cash, told him not to go to work. Yeah, they, 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 the mother had a bad feeling, something like Jack shouldn't go to work, but they were very poor. Jack had this side job. He worked in a mill. Yeah. Okay. And they needed the money, pretty much. And they needed the money. That's yeah, what, that's know, what I try to say, how dope poor they were. They were dirt poor. Yeah. Okay, this was, he did not come from a, a well-to-do family no. at all. Um, and the kid was old enough to work. Yeah. So he did. Uh, JR was still a little young. Yeah. But uh, there was an accident. He was working at a table saw. And the saw kind of jumped up at him. And he got pushed into it. The machine was defective or something. It almost and, and it practically did. Okay. The blade went straight down him. Okay. And the, the sad thing is it took him a week to die. Okay, yeah. He suffered for a whole week. Um, during that time, Jack is, is, is remembered as saying he could hear angels talking, singing. 
uh, you know, some people before they die, they've heard that as a common thing. Um, this event would would affect Johnny Cash's whole life. Uh, he was very close with his brother. Uh, it would affect the, his whole family and, and the way that he grew up for the rest of his life. Um, growing up, uh, Johnny was listening to a lot of gospel music, like a lot of people in that area did in those days. Um, he would be writing songs as a young kid. Uh, he actually, when he started singing as a kid, he had a very high voice, almost like a tenor. And when he got older and his voice changed as he became a teenager, he became like a high, like a low, a low baritone voice. But he actually yeah. started that with a high, higher pitched voice. I wish there was some recordings of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. There isn't. There aren't any. But um, he also sang in high school. Okay, in a band. And um, you want to hear something interesting? Yeah. He's one of the few guys that he's in the country. He's in the country hall of fame. In the rock and he's roll. a rock and roll. Of, and he's also in the gospel yes. hall of fame. Yes. So he's in three hall of fame because he yeah. actually found he religion a, later he, on. He, he was very religious. His family were, were devout Christians growing up. Uh, he learned how to sing from the family hymnal book. Yeah, yeah. All the, all the Christian hymns in the South in those days that everybody knew, they sang these hymns while they were picking cotton. That's how we learned how to. And his mother was was talented. She could sing. Yeah. But she was just a mom, you know. But she taught him. He would hear June Carter sing on the yes. radio too. Yes. How one, crazy one, is one that? Of, one of his favorite things to do was listening to the Carter family, which what a lot of people did in those days in the South. That was that was very popular. Uh, the Carter family was Maybelline uh, Carter and her daughters, and June Carter, who Johnny would eventually marry. Yeah, was was part of that. After stalking her after years, after years, after years. Yep, yep, yep. Let's call it. It was stalking. Before he uh, would meet June, he, he actually was married before. Uh, in July of 1950, he enlisted in the Air Force. Yep. Uh, he was 18 years old. And he got stationed in Landsberg, Germany. Yep. Uh, he did his basic training in, uh, I believe, in California. Uh, no, I'm sorry, in Texas, in San Antonio. Um, in July of 1951, he went over to Germany. Uh, he worked as a Morse code operator, and he intercepted Soviet transmissions from the east. Yep. That was his job. Uh, he had a band that he created yep. in Landsberg called the Landsberg Barbarians. Yes, Landsberg right? Barbarians. Right. And 1954, he would be honorably discharged as a rank of staff sergeant. Yeah, staff sergeant. Now, during the time of his, his military service, uh, he was keeping in touch with a woman named Vivian Liberto that he was briefly dating before he went away. Um, he kept in touch with letters, they would, you know, love letters back and forth, they would speak on the phone. There were hundreds of love letters yes. back and forth to each right, other. Right, right, right. And in August of 1954, one month after returning back to Texas, he married her, okay? And they would move to Memphis. Um, Cash, at that point, he wanted to be a radio announcer. Yep. But he still was interested in music. He was doing that on the side. But uh, his, his interest, his, you know, what he wanted to do for a career was a radio announcer. But in the meantime, what he did was he sold appliances, vacuum cleaners, door-to-door, that kind of stuff. And uh, if you remember the movie Walk the Line, it really wasn't going too good for him. Oh, yeah. He wasn't a very good salesman. No, no. Well, his heart wasn't it because I think he wanted to play music. Um, It was during this time that he uh, met Luther Perkins and drummer Marshall Grant. Luther was the guitarist. They were living in Memphis. They were a a little amateur group called the Tennessee Two. Yeah. All right. Now, um, 
Well, you skipped you skip a lot. Well, you, anything you want to add? I thought you were talking about the trader park and all that other shit he did. Uh, oh, well, we'll get into that. Uh, yeah, yeah. You talk about the forest fire and all? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to... I'm keeping the timeline here yeah. because that didn't happen yet. That was in the 60s. Yeah. Um, one, one day when he was out uh, selling his vacuum cleaners, he came across uh, Sun Record Studios and Sam Phillips. Yep. And he basically talked with him and said, you know, listen, how can I how can I get on your label? And they said, well, you're going to have to audition. So he did that. He got Luther and uh, Luther and Marshall together to, to go down there and audition. But what he did was he auditioned with gospel songs. And Sam just uh, was not interested in promoting oh, yeah. gospel music anymore at that point. Uh, he felt he couldn't sell it. He was looking for something a little more rock and roll. Rock and roll was a new thing. So he told them, no, you guys, we can't sell this. Now, he told them, the, 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 the quote, supposedly, the infamous quote, is he told uh, Johnny to go home and sin a little bit and then write some songs. <laughs> so you can know what you're talking about, right? Uh, he came back later with uh, the tracks Hey Porter and Cry 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 and that worked out that and, worked out and, very yeah, good Sam would release that in uh, June of 1955 um, the, those, that single did fantastic on the country charts did very well uh, it was at this time that he became friends with Elvis Presley Carl Perkins Jerry Lee Lewis Roy Orbison was there these were all the original Sun guys and they were all hanging out there's actually a, a recording, uh, if you've ever heard it, Rob, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, it's called the Million Dollar Quartet. Yeah, I saw actually the play where there was yeah. on Broadway. Oh, right, 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 I remember that. It was a good play. It was a very good play. Yeah, yeah. And it was mostly gospel songs that they were doing, but it was a, it was a famous jam session between Cash and all those other guys. Um, I'm going to mention what I told you the other day that you didn't know. And I, I was shocked. Okay. The original Jay Z was yeah, Elvis. Yeah, I mean, you know. And by I mean that drug dealer. Elvis originally was a drug dealer. For, for, for Sun Records. Yeah. I mean, he was the guy that brought everybody the, the, the Bennies and the amphetamines and all that stuff. He had the good shit. He had the good shit. That's the guy I want to be. So, the guy yeah, with he, the good he shit. Kept him around. <laughs> he kept him around. Then he realized he could sing, you know. So Sam said, we'll make some money off it, you, you know, while you're getting us high. Yeah, well, we're getting lumped up. Yeah. Dice and Lump and you, you can sing? Yeah. Um, the next single would be uh, uh, Folsom Prison Blues. Okay. Great album. Great, great song. Uh, you know, Johnny was actually the first person on Sun Records to come out with a full album. Yeah. The Sun was strictly yeah. a, a single single. Yeah. Okay. And he came out with an album called, uh, the hell was it called? Oh, shit. I can't remember that. This bar Rob. is getting crowded here. Rob. Oh yeah, it's called Johnny Rob. Cash and His Hot and Blue Guitar. That was the uh, the first album ever released by Sun Records. It's Johnny Cash. Uh, Folsom Prison Blues would get to the top five, and then he came out with I Walk the Line, and that was actually a number one country song, and it got into the top twenty as well. Uh, interesting stories is my father. Uh, who grew up in Brooklyn, uh, can recall like hanging out on a handball court and playing handball this since I walked the line, which I thought was a great story, just the imagery of, of somebody living in Brooklyn and, and listening to, to Johnny Cash. But everybody liked him. Uh, <coughs> the first album, like I said, was called Johnny Cash and His Hot and Way Guitar. Uh, Sam Phillips was, was not really 
uh, paying Johnny right. And Johnny knew it. He was getting like 3% when other artists were getting 5 and Elvis was getting 5 and he felt he should be getting the same. So Johnny would actually leave in uh, 1958 and sign up with Columbia Records. Uh, he was in a unique situation. Um, when he got to Columbia, they were ready to record him right away, but he also had a lot of leftover material from Sun Records. So in the first couple of years of Johnny being at Columbia, he would actually have Columbia material released and Sun Records material released at the same time. Uh, not too many artists have had that happen. Um, 1958, there would be a single called Don't Take Your Guns to Town, and it was recorded uh, for Johnny's second album. Okay, and one thing that Columbia was willing to do for Johnny that Sans Phillips wouldn't is uh, let him record gospel music. Uh, gospel music was something that was very close to Johnny's heart. Sam felt he couldn't sell it, and he uh, basically uh, was, was, was ecstatic that, that Columbia would let him record gospel songs. Um, 1958, Johnny would come out with uh, an album called Johnny Cash Sings the Songs That Made Him Famous. Uh, that was actually a Sun Record LP. Okay, Sun would put that out. And then the same year, Columbia would put out the fabulous Johnny Cash. So he had two albums out at the same time on two different labels. Yeah. You know? But he was trying, like he was, he was trying, like to actually take off, and yeah. you know, there well, were. Well, I walked the line was huge. That was huge. That was a huge hit. Very huge. But that first album with Crack, all that stuff that he took out was like it was really like he's like the uh, godfather of Billy Rock. He's also um, well, he's rock, also rock, rockabilly. Rockabilly was, was an influence. Uh, you know, he, he he's his own thing. Okay, you know, Cash Cash was definitely. Rockabilly, country, rock and roll, all kind of mixed up in one. The music at that time was very fluid, and, and, and gospel music was something that was running through it all. Actually, they all had gospel backgrounds. All these guys, Jerry Lee Lewis was a preacher, uh, Elvis sang gospel music. You know, it was all through their music. Um, an interesting thing, Rob, let me tell you. Can you hear me, Rob? Is, uh, he had an interesting nickname when he started because he always wore black. Yeah. He was called The Undertaker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. I thought of you with that for the yeah, wrestling. Yeah, that's great. Um, he always wore black, and the reason he wore black was because uh, he said it was easy to keep his clothes clean. <laughs> he, right? What? It was easy to keep his clothes clean. He was, oh, he yeah, because he always wore, but that's yeah. what the man in black. But, that's what yeah. people, after yeah. a while, he was just like, you know what, this is the man in black, and... It took off. It was like his um, gimmick. Yeah, yeah. Which well, it became him. You know, yeah. it was unintentional, but that's what happened. Uh, later yeah. on, he would say things like he did it for yeah. the poor and people in jail. Well, and stuff Wilson like that. was a little bit like that. Like Roy Orbison, pretty Absolutely. much. Roy Orbison was, was black. Wore black. black sunglasses. Absolutely. You know, he was always. It just looked cool. Yeah, it was just like it that just, was the look. It just looked cool. Yeah. Uh, it was at this time, 1958, 59. That Johnny was was clearly having problems with with drugs and alcohol. Oh, yeah. uh, his family life was was messed up. He had a couple of daughters with Vivian. Uh, he actually had four daughters. I think he had three with Vivian. I thought he I thought it was four. It was no um, three. It was three, and then uh, and then he had the son with June later on. Yeah, with Vivian. I thought he had what was it? What was the kid's name? I yeah, it's Vivian. You sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's three. The four daughters. Oh, that's where he went with. Because he had kids also with June Carter, right? We had one kid, one, one kid. son. Yeah. I think, I think he only had three. 
Unless I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure. And I saw the name Because it was before. Roseanne who had a career of her own. You know? I was looking, it's like Tara, Roseanne. Yeah, I, I, I had it down here. I don't remember uh, what saw, happened to I it. I saw all the, all the, all the, all the, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the marriage yeah. fucking fell apart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he had Roseanne, Kathy, Cindy, and Tara. Oh, you're right then. I'm sorry. Four. I, I was reading no, that you're before. Right. You're right. You're so, right. I'm all lumped up. Because then he had, a, he had a kid with um, June Carter. Right. That would be John Carter. Kathy. Yeah. She would have a kid with later on. What happened when you're lumped up? Yeah, well, shit. <laughs> Not as lumped up as this guy. Oh, man, I'm lumped up. He got up. lumped up last night. <laughs> But I'm working on it, Rob. Maybe another drink, man. So the marriage went to shit. But he was with for what, like nine years, I think, with um, Vivian? Uh, yeah, I think it was about uh, about 12 years. Was it? She ended up divorcing him in 66. So you know, he was on the road. Well, look, I mean, he, was, he was on the road. He was he was cheating on her. Oh, he, was, yeah. he was popping pills. He, he, would take, he would take speed to wake up. He would do barbiturates to go to sleep. That was his routine every day. Uh, if you ever saw the movie I Walked the Line, I mean, it really kind of goes into that a lot. No, the, I gotta ask a question. Yeah. Did he sleep with Drew Carter while he was married to Vivian and then still wants him again or whatever? You, you know, it's, it's kind of like a gray area. I don't know if they dramatized that for the movie or it actually happened. I read his book, and from what I remember, uh, she wouldn't be with him unless he got divorced. Divorced, yeah. But she wouldn't marry him. Until he got clean. Yeah. Okay, but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here because we got a few more years of, of craziness going on. It's amazing how much of a life this guy had and oh, yeah. to still be like, you know. Yeah. Um, you know the the fucking guy is like a legend. He was sold ninety million albums. Yeah. Worldwide. Can worldwide. you believe that? That's huge. Now, That's how huge. many people do that? Not many. Not many. I mean, everybody liked the guy. In the early 60s, he began touring with the actual Carter family, okay? okay. So it was Mother Maybelline, daughters June, Anita, and Helen. Uh, they went, went on a lot of... Family? Man, imagine. <laughs> now, God. Mom was old at that point. But, Fuck it. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, but it's a fantastic movie. It's hilarious. Uh, he made a movie at that time. It was originally called Five Minutes to Live. And it was later re-released. It was called Door to Door Maniac. If you ever want me to lend you this movie, I've never seen it's it. It's fucking hilarious. If you ever a chance oh, to yeah? see it, he it's it. Vic Tayback is in it. Okay, that was oh Mel from God. Alice. Okay, and they're bank robbers, and Johnny's his partner, and Vic's at the bank robbing the bank, and he's got the the head the head banker there, the, the head of the bank, <laughs> and he and Johnny's at the guy's house with his wife. Okay, so he's got the wife kidnapped. All right, it's just like. It, and it played the, the total outlaw image that, that yeah, he, Cash had at yeah. that point. You know, when people heard Folsom Prison Blues with that line, I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die, yeah. people thought that was true. Oh, shit. They believed that he actually did hard time for killing somebody. And, you know, this is before the internet, it's before anything. So, you know, people heard these rumors and they were like, yeah, you know. And then they, you'd hear these things with him being a little crazy. Did Johnny ever get locked up? Yes. He got no, no, up. well, he never did time. Hard he, time, but he no. got locked up for, like, drugs, right? He got locked right? up for, yeah, yeah. And I, I got a whole bunch of shit here we could talk about. Uh, that was actually what I was going to bring up next. Like, his whole outlaw image as the man in black started with the Folsom Prison song. Yeah. Okay? But... And the Undertaker, the yeah. Man in Black, Jesus yeah. I Christ. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it would it would be like, um, uh, 
he would get arrested several times. Okay, <laughs> uh, he would. There, there's there's one where he got arrested for. Uh, um, they, they they suspected him uh, yes. uh, with drugs. With they th- narcotic cops thought he was smuggling in heroin. Oh shit! Okay? But that wasn't his thing. But they thought it was heroin. When they found his guitar, it was stuffed with like six hundred fucking pills. But they were all prescriptions. Oh shit! Okay? So he got like a suspended sentence. Okay, so he never did time for that. But he did. There was one time he got arrested in Starkville, Mississippi. Okay, for just like trespassing, he was like picking flowers at three o'clock in the morning of somebody's property. Because <laughs> he was loved up. <laughs> loved up. You know, why would anybody do that unless they were totally loved up? All right. <laughs> um, 1963, uh, he would he would write a song with June Carter called "Ring of Fire." Yep. Okay, and it would be a, a one of a few songs kind of leading up to when they would actually be together. That you kind of get this tension between the two of them that something's up. You know, you could see it in the film "I Walk the Line." I watched yeah. it last night. That's a good I haven't movie. seen it in a few years. You want to hear something? Great. He was he he lived for a brief time with uh, Wen and Jennings. Yeah, as a roommate. And they did drugs yeah. like motherfuckers. Could you imagine what the fuck went on? <laughs> oh, my God. Yep, yep. You know what? If they had a, any TV, they definitely went through the fucking wall once if, in a if, while. <laughs> if, me, if me and you were back then, we would be like, you guys are the king of lumped up. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. There was, forget it. Uh, Ring of Fire would be a big hit, and it would be released in 1963. It went top 20. Yep. Uh, 1964, he went in a little bit of a different direction. But you know what, Ring of Fire also, there was one of those songs that was like a country song yeah. that crossed over That's to pop. That's what I'm saying. It went to top 20 yeah. in, in, in it the was pop. Like, but I, I never realized that it was a country song. I don't even think of that as a country well, it's song. It's got the mariachis. horns in the background. It's got a little of a country feel. That's, for some reason, I thought it was like pop music for me because Ring yeah. of Fire... But social distortion version of it. That's great. That's, That's great, a great right? one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, 1964, he would take it a little bit different direction. Uh, he would release a concept album called Bitter Tears, and it's interesting. This album uh, was controversial at the time because it dealt with the the plight of American Indians, and a lot of people, were, his hard hardcore fans or close you know close fans, were very kind of turned off by this album because he was taking a social stance I guess they felt he shouldn't or, or whatever uh, and Columbia would kind of release it but not really push the album it would be buried for many years uh, I think it's a great fucking album there's that song Ballad of Ira Hayes that's a great it, fucking okay? song and Ira Hayes was one of the guys that uh, raised the flag on the island of Iwo Jima in the second world war you know the, you know the famous picture yeah. and uh he was a Piedmont Indian from Arizona, and after he got out of the service, his life went downhill quick. He was a bad alcoholic, and he died in a ditch yeah. in Arizona. Yeah. And, and Johnny wrote a song about how that was unfair and, and what happened to him, and a lot of people felt... But he was like a big um, advocate for Native Americans. Well, it was that album that showed no? that. Yeah. But you got to remember, in the 60s, there was still a lot of bad feelings between American Indians and, and, and the yeah. rest of the country. Yeah, of course. Okay, and, and uh, so, you know, without getting into the whole politics of it, I think everybody was wrong in some way. Uh, but there was still a lot of bad feelings, and people felt the country was changing. People were becoming more socially conscious, and I think a lot of country music fans just didn't want to fucking hear that from Johnny Cash. Yeah. So they kind of turned against him a little bit. But he didn't. He didn't give a shit. He just kept doing what he was doing. He actually released a couple of concept 
albums at that time. There was a, a, um, a an album, a double album that was released after Bit of Tears called Ballads of the True West. Mm-hmm. It was a double record, and it was like basically recording old frontier western songs. And he would have like these spoken word interludes in between. Uh, I've heard it. It's an interesting album. That. It's an interesting too. album. Uh, but you know, it wasn't what a lot of Cash fans wanted to hear. Uh, 19- you actually see they got a special they were talking about PBS actually showed this in November of yeah there was a, I, I haven't seen this there I was a documentary it. made yeah. about the Bitter Tears album yep uh, I have to I, I was thinking about that I'd like to watch that it's probably on YouTube or something you could probably find it on YouTube yeah, definitely yeah. which that would be interesting when I, when I was reading that so that would be very right. interesting to just just to see that like, yeah. you know yeah yeah. Uh, June of 1965 Johnny would would, would start a forest fire <laughs> Odd accident when he was probably pretty lumped up. It's okay. great. He was he was ca- he was camping with a relative in the uh, Los Padres National Park in California, and he claims that the there was a defective uh, exhaust system in his camper. He had a big camper truck, okay, and it set a spark off, and he didn't know the fire started. But, you know, a lot of people saying he was just cold and he started a forest fire and he passed out wasted and didn't put it out. He actually burned down the foliage on three mountains. Okay? Three mountains. He endangered the, the, the condor birds that were living on the mountain. Uh, and Rob, he, he set this forest fire, right? He endangered the, the birds. So when he, was, when he was standing in front of the judge, he says, I don't give a damn about your birds. He was totally unrepentant. And he had to pay a hundred. They, they were trying to get one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars out of him. He actually ended up paying eighty-two thousand for that. You know that fire was crazy because it yeah. burned like something like five hundred. He, he, bur- he burned down the, 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 the foliage on three mountains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Eddie Murphy saying, "Now that's a fire." Now that's a fire. <laughs> Roll Charlie around a little bit. He'd be all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yep. The guy's amazing. Yep. 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 Uh, just to mention again, I mean, I mean, this is where I was going to talk about the, the, the fucking drugs. Just to, to go back to this for a second. In October of 1965, in El Paso, he gets arrested, right? This is when they go into his guitar. and they find, He had 688 dexamine pills, 475 equinols, okay? That's all uppers and downers, okay, in his guitar case. Uh... His wife divorced him within a year after that, all right, 1966. She cited, you know, his drug problems and the fact that he was messing around with Jim Carter uh, and, you know, abuse and whatever. Uh, it was at this point that he Dude, really... do you read all the pills he had? That's what I just said, 688 dexedrines. I'm just looking at I mean, that. And, I, they, and, they, and, four, and then he like, had 400 or 475 of some other shit. Right, Equinols. He had and, the dexedrines of the ups. The Equinos of the Downs. That's what he did. They're like fucking tranquilizers. Like, they'll they, they uh, look oh, you up. It's like, get a for tranquilizer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy, dude, I'm surprised he lived that long. Because yeah. won't that shit kill your liver or fucking it, it, fuck it, up well, your... Well, it fucks up your central nervous system. Yeah. Time. Yeah, you can't, you, know, you can't keep that going. Plus, he drank. Oh, he got lumped up. Yeah, so, you know, he's, he's, he's washing down these pills with beer and liquor and whatever. Uh... I mean, you know, you can't keep that up forever. Now, after his wife divorced him, he had a strong attraction to June Carter, so yeah. he went full force to her. 
1967, they would record a, a song called Jackson. That's a great song. Yeah, it is. And they would win a Grammy for that. Yep. Okay. Uh, when I listen to that song, I think you get the the attraction between the two of them. Oh, there's total there, chemistry. There, there, there's some kind of chemistry yeah. there. And I'm saying that before the Walk the Line movie. Yeah, they no, that, you, you, that. I always felt it was like, oh, there's something between yeah. those two, you know, when they recorded that. Yeah. Uh, his last arrest would be in 1967, all right? He was in a car accident, and they, the, the cops found a bag of pills in the car. Now, this was in Walker County, Georgia. He spent the night in jail in a town called Lafayette. Yeah. And he tried, he tried bribing a deputy to get out. Okay? And the guy wasn't having anything to do with it. All right? But the sheriff actually sat him down and had a, you know, a long old-fashioned old talking to him. Okay? About the dangers of drugs and stuff. And it, it, for some reason, the guy must have said something right because it struck a chord with Johnny. And he made it a point he was going to try to get off these pills and everything. Of course, June was was saying, "Listen, you I'm not, yeah, yeah. You, I'm not getting with you unless you get off this shit." I mean, that's a good incentive. You know what's funny? He actually went back to that town and yeah. did a benefit I was concert. Mention that. He would later do a benefit concert for a high school. Yeah. Okay. And he raised something like seventy five thousand dollars for the school that was in need. You know how much that concert fucking um people attended that concert. Twelve million, twelve, twelve, no, 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 twelve thousand people, 12, and it was only and like seven thousand. The population, he doubled the population. He almost doubled the population. Yeah. Now, one thing that happened around this time in 1967 that's never been confirmed or denied by Johnny, he would never answer the question. There was always a story that he went at his lowest point. He went to the Nickajack Cave in Tennessee, which is a very deep cave. And he decided he was going to kill himself. He was just going to go to the cave and just die there. And he went to the cave, into a, the deepest part of the cave. And it was there that he had like a, a religious epiphany. And he felt God's presence in the cave. Uh, at that point, he was in the deepest part of the cave, but something was, was guiding him out. There was a light, there was a, a sound he heard, uh, he could hear like a breeze, he could feel the breeze, he knew he was getting out. Uh, and he took it as, a, as an epiphany that he has a chance to, to, to really turn his life around. Uh, and remember, you know, June said she wouldn't marry him unless yeah. he got off the drugs. So the Carter family at that point would, would lock him up in his mansion in Tennessee and not let him out. And that's, that's depicted kind of well in, in, in the film I Walked the Line. You see uh, uh, Mother Maybelline and her husband, and they pull a shotgun on the drug dealer yep. when, he, when he comes to the house. Yeah. Remember, <laughs> like, you, get, like, you get the fuck out of here, they got two shotguns on him. You know? And he would, he would, he would clean himself up. Uh, what he did is uh, in, in, he was on tour with, with June. Uh, they, they went back on tour together again. And he was constantly trying to propose to her, and she really wouldn't have anything to do with it until he got clean. But even at that point, you know, I'm sure she was apprehensive to get involved with him seriously like that. But on February 22, 1968, in uh, London, Ontario, they were doing Jackson on stage, and he stops the song, and he proposes to a life in front of the whole audience on stage. And she says yes. Finally. Yeah, finally. After you know, years of stalking her, years, years of trying to get in her pants, he finally got it, you know? He finally Epstein her. 
She was too old for Epstein at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but with Kat for a lover, I think there was she was a little old, right? They weren't the no. same age, right? No, no, she was actually older than him. Was she older than yeah. him? She, she was about I think about six years or oh, so, so older than him. It was reverse him. Epstein. Yes. It was a reverse Epstein. She was the she was the pedo. <laughs> <laughs> They would be married. They would be married a week later, okay, on March first in Franklin, Kentucky. She was a pedo, Dan. A mandolin playing pedo. Basket stealer. Oh man. Uh, it was at that point that Johnny went back to the church. He went back to his Christian faith. Uh, he would still have drug problems over the years. Uh, he never quite. Would, he would be between 68 and 70 he would still have some problems uh, his son would be born in 1970 um, but he went seven years I think till about 1977 and then he had to go into rehab yeah, he, went to rehab. he would actually go to the Betty Ford Clinic at yeah. one point as well we'll get into that a little bit more next week yeah. what I want to talk about right now is the uh, uh, where are we? But you know what? The guy was always very close to God, very religious yes, guy, which yes. is it's fascinating for a guy that did so much drug and stuff, but he had this strong well, because, faith. Because it was in, inbred in him from the beginning. Yeah. You know, as a child, you know, when, when, when you're poor like that, you don't have much to hold on to, you know? And uh, I think in the movie, the, the relationship with his dad was like a little bit dramatized. I don't know if it was as bad as yeah. they make it sound. Because his, his dad seemed like a total douchebag. But, but you gotta, yeah, but you got to understand where he, um, when, um, he was like, frustrated. Jack was the firstborn, all right? So when you get the firstborn. Well, he wasn't the firstborn, but, but, you yeah. know, but he was the first male, like the first male. He was and, a good and, kid. He was studying and, to be a preacher. And he was what? a good kid. And people tell like the first son. You mean you can have a daughter first, but you always go to love yeah. your son a little better. It's just something. There's a bond between the father and son. They're always over. A daughter and yeah. a father. There's nothing like a father well, and son. His, cause his, his father said to him as a kid after Jack died, you know, oh, the wrong son died. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. That's really fucked up. Uh, you know, yeah, that was, what's that? That was true. Yeah, that's the first born. Like they, like, to get away from me in a way. Yeah. That's yeah. how we laugh that he didn't call his uh, son Sue. A boy named Sue. Boy named Sue. Okay. Well, that leads into exactly what I want to talk about here is the, the two prison albums. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is some of, like, to me, this is some of my favorite shit, okay, by Johnny Cash. Uh, I love all the later stuff. We could talk about that next yeah. week. But, but the two prison albums are amazing. Now, he would release Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison in 1968 and Johnny Cash at San Quentin. Exactly. In 1969. Let me ask you, is that what they told him that there was a certain line he wasn't supposed to say? Yeah. They, well, both, both shows, the, the wardens were asking him to, oh, do more spiritual songs and things like that. Don't don't remind these people that they're in jail. And he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? How are they going to forget they're in jail? Yeah. Okay? They're in jail. Okay. And, you know, the Folsom Prison album... But imagine, you in jail and you're getting a concert by Johnny Cash. Can well, you think about this shit? What was happening was, the, the, the inspiration was, you know, this is back in the day when people did fan mail, okay? And Johnny was getting fan mail from people in jail, okay? And saying, you know, your music got me through a lot of things. I'm a huge fan. And 
you know, he arranged it with Folsom. That was the first one he did. You know, to, to do a benefit show, not, not even a benefit show, a free show. A free show. Okay, for these guys. And uh, the fact, I mean, he's a huge star. This I mean, would, this yeah, would that's, be what, like, that's this what I'm saying. Like, this guy's a know, big star. That's like the Rolling Stone going to Rikers yeah, exactly, Island. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Perfect example. Perfect example right there. Uh, and, and, you know, the fact that they even agreed to this is kind of amazing. But he had such a, 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 a fan base that they just did it, you know. And you could see it in I Walk the Line in the film. They dramatize it pretty well. Uh, you know, there's that one scene where he talks about the dirty water, okay? Because he goes to drink the water and the water's all fucking yellow. And he brings the cup out on stage. And he's like, I got respect for you guys. You guys got to drink this shit. You know? And, and, the, wa- and the water's like, oh, fuck. You know? Yeah, that's great, you know? Yeah, shit, I do. Yeah. Um, out of those, out of that, uh, those two albums, because in '69 would be. Do, do yeah. they have any recording of those concerts? Of course, the two live albums. No, but I mean like um, video. I, I know they I did think, them live, but I, do they have like any I, video, like an actual I, I, I video? I think it was filmed. Yeah, I think I've seen some of it. I think I've seen some of it. Yeah. Not, maybe I, not completely. Because I've never seen it. That's why I'm asking because you might know better. You know, you know what? I have something at home with a. Do- uh, it was a documentary made in the '70s. Yeah. And uh, I think it's just called The Man in Black. And okay. it's Johnny driving around. No, it's called uh, Johnny Cash, The Man and His Music. The Man and His Music. Okay, right. and I have this at home. It came out in the 70s. And he's basically driving a bus on tour. He's actually driving a bus. It's him on tour. And they show scenes from the, from the concert in the prisons. Okay. I think you might be able to get it. All or partially in different documentaries. Okay. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's great. Yeah, stuff. I know yeah. they filmed it live, but they, yeah. did anybody record this? Him? Like, yeah, they, they filmed it. They, they, they recorded it for the album. And there yeah. is some video of it. Yeah, all right. If not in total, definitely partially. Okay. Um, in 1969, when the San Quentin album came out, he would release uh, the song "A Boy Named Sue." All right. Now I remember as a kid. Okay. This was, I mean, I was born in 69, so I don't remember when it came out. My parents had a Johnny Cash Greatest Hits album at home. And I must have been about, this is a few years later, maybe about six, seven years later. I used to play the shit out of that song as as like a seven-year-old kid. I I, I I just thought it was hilarious, like a boy named Sue. It's a boy. Anything sad. And, 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 you know, he had such a way of of, of turning a lyric, you know. He didn't even write that. That would be written by a guy that was in jail. Oh, okay. okay, that wrote a song for him. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. And when he went to San Quentin to do the prison album in 69. So just like Charles Manson writing for the Beach Boys. Yeah. <laughs> Except it was a big hit. It's a big hit. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't know, in, in 1969, he actually outsold the Beatles. Holy shit. Okay, he sold 6.5 million records in 1969. Okay, so what came out in 69? Abbey Road. Okay? He outsold Abbey Road. Okay, so he was the biggest star in the world in 1969. Wow. Um, and, you know, that's going to lead me to, uh, you know, we're going to talk about the album of the week. And the prison albums, to me, you got to get. Okay? 
you can get them as one disc. Okay, they have them together yeah. as a, I guess like two discs in one set. Amazon sells it. You can buy that. Yeah. Uh, so let me tell you, you know that that song, A Boy Named Sue, made yeah. it to number two uh, number on two. the U.S. Charts. Pop it was charts. also... Pop charts, yeah. I wonder, I got to find out what was number one that he made it as far as number what was, two. What was that week at number one and we never got past number two? Probably was the Beatles. You think it was the Beatles? Might have been all... Yeah, I mean, because I think they, they had some tracks on that. the man in black was fucking losing to those British Not cops. Not record sales, though. American. Not in total record sales for the year. Not only in the goddamn American. Maybe, the, maybe the singles You charge. told me a boy named Sue could be, I want to hold your hand. Uh, <laughs> I got to look that up. I got to look I'll it take, up, I'll though. take cash over the Beatles anyway. Oh, anytime. You know, I mean... Never mind. Cash was a actually, man's actually, man. Actually, actually, the, Beatles, the Beatles were big fans of Johnny Cash. Oh yeah, yeah, they were big fans of, of his music, uh, and I think he liked them too. Jo- Johnny, Johnny in the sixties, he he was he was controversial. He was into Bob Dylan. Okay, and I'm going to go into that next week because uh, we're going to talk a little about his TV show and the, and the guests that he would have on. Uh, what was it? He did a show in Madison Square Garden. Okay, sure, he played Garden. What What's year are you talking about? They're talking, I say most have said that his later live albums, such as the Strawberry Oh, the, Yeah, there was an album recorded in the 70s, I think. In, in London and live in Madison Square Garden, which peaked at number 33 yeah. and 39. Yeah, there would be other live albums after the, the, the prison albums that, that would do well, but they wouldn't do as well as the prison albums. Those were the ones. You know, if you're, if you're a person that wants to get into Johnny Cash, I would start with those two prison albums. It's not often I would say start with a live album, but I think you get the sense of, of what he's about as a person and, and what he, his style was like. Because uh, he, he does everything. Like, it's not like he's just doing new shit yeah. at that point. He would go, he did I Walk the Line, Folsom Prison Blues. You know, when he did San Quentin, he recorded, a, he, he played a, a song called Wanted Man, which was a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. Now, you got to remember, Bob Dylan in the 60s was still pretty controversial. Yeah. So he, he, the fact that he embraced folk music in that way, he was ahead of the curve with everybody, Cash, with that. You know, that, that later on, people would catch up with that, but he was ahead of it. Song of the Week, my man. What is the okay, Song of the Week? Is, and, and you know, I... I I had a hard time with this one. I actually sat there for about a half an hour trying to figure so it out. So many great songs. Okay. You know, do you do Folsom Prison Blues? Do you do I Walked the Line? Do you do uh, Hey Porter, even? Hey you know, Porter, you know, but, but I picked a song called The Long Black Veil. Wow. And, yeah. Um, he actually didn't even write this song. Who wrote this Okay. Song? A guy named Danny Dill and Marijan Wilkin wrote it in 1959. It was originally recorded by Lefty Frizzell. Lefty Frizzell had his own fantastic country career. He did the guy that he did the song uh, Saginaw, Michigan. You ever hear that song? I know a girl in Saginaw, Michigan. No, you ever hear that? No, I probably great look fuck, it up. It's a great song. Um, that song's all about a guy who is in love with a girl, but her father fucking hates him, and he has to constantly impress him. So he goes up to. Alaska to dig for gold. Holy okay? shit. And he says, fuck this, I'm gonna tell the old man that I found gold, but he didn't. So he goes back and he tells him that he found gold, and the guy's like, okay, I'll buy your land from you. And he's like, okay, and there's no gold up there. Wow. <laughs> but he gets the girl anyway. Wow. <laughs> That's a good fuck you kind of song. 
you know. But anyway, he, he, Lefty Frizzell originally did it, but the Long Black Veil, Johnny Cash's version, is so fucking haunting. It's about a guy. Uh, he's telling it from the grave. He's already mm. dead. Okay, and he is—he was executed, convicted, and executed for a crime he didn't commit. He looked like somebody who shot somebody. Okay, so it turns out he can't say he can't come up with an alibi because where he was that night, he was in bed with his best friend's wife. Oh shit! And he'd rather go to jail and get executed then to than to rat it, rat it out, yeah. and give it up. So. The, the term long black veil is is the the woman that he was having the affair with the best friend's wife constantly visits him at his grave wearing a long black yeah, veil right. you know mike ness would record this on his solo album cheating at solitaire a lot of people would do the song mm-hmm. he actually does a good version of it but johnny cash's version of it with that that deep voice and everything it's it's just a haunting song you, you know what's crazy about johnny cash he kept singing to like the day he died like he yeah. just kept recording it, and his voice just kept changing like by the end like it was I, very deep like at the end i love that voice like later on where he like did uh hurt and he did rusted uh rusted Rusty cage i'm Rusty, like holy shit. Song, yeah. even where the man comes around is another great fucking yep. song yep the man comes around and he took all those lyrics from the bible yeah. Okay, he's, he's talking about the apocalypse. Yo, he's talking about Armageddon almost. Oh, that's yeah. what I mean. Apoc- yeah, Armageddon, it's like, holy yeah. shit. You know, uh, I don't know if you remember the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Do you remember the remake? No, I know. It was actually pretty good. I'm not a big fan of remakes, but but uh, at the end credits, they were using the man who man comes that's awesome. around. Yeah, and they were showing all the zombies and shit and everything. That was kind of cool. Uh, Solitary Man by Neil Diamond later on. I love that, that version. Yes. The one. Yes. I mean, we're going to get into this all next week. All the, the, the Rick Rubin stuff and his, you know, comeback career yeah. in the 90s and everything. is It's unheard of. Something yeah. like that happening to a guy in yeah. his age. Uh, we're going to talk about Even that Even to Snoop week. Dogg, he's a Johnny Cash was a big influence. Yeah. You ever yeah. heard that about no. him? Well, he wanted to do a country album and do yeah. Johnny Cash songs? Yeah, I mean, John, Johnny transcended any kind of genre, okay? There's people that listen to, you know, death metal into Johnny Cash. People listening to rap music to Johnny Cash. I mean, remember Beavis and Butthead? Yeah. Remember they had the, the one where they're watching Delia's Gone? Yeah. Right? And they're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> 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 Butthead's like, oh, this is great. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, he, it's just, he transcended all kinds of shit. Um, if you want to get the album that the Long Black Veil is on, pick up Orange Blossom Special. That was the album that came out in 65 uh, that had that Long Black Veil song. And it's on Greatest Hits. There's, I have a great, great, uh, Greatest Hits at home. It's like three CDs, box set, big book. They have there, a lot of great so stuff. There's so much cash stuff out there. You could really delve into they got it the, Also, you could get a collection of the Americans album at the end. I mean, they the American recordings. Movies. They're yeah. fucking great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would recommend that he did, one. He did a he did a, a duet with Joe Strummer from the of the Clash. He did Bob Marley's Redemption song. I I did not Have know you ever that. Heard that. No, I oh, never heard. It's I gotta fantastic. listen to that. I'll po- maybe I'll post it later. Yeah, uh, fantastic version of it. Um, one thing I'll mention quick, and we'll probably get into it next week too, is is uh, Cash had a home in Jamaica. Oh shit! Yeah, another thing. And know. in the mid eighties. Now, I'll go into it more next week. I think it was Christmas. He was down there with June Carter and the family. 
and his house got home invaded. Oh, shit. Okay, and he was held hostage. I think they tied him up and all that shit. But they, he, the, the bad guys eventually got out. You know, they, they he paid them or something, and they got out. We'll get into that next week. But but Johnny Johnny was into reggae music, too. He was into wow. like, all kinds of stuff. Um, I got to listen to that Redemption song. I need yeah, to listen to it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, I, I love that kind of shit, you know? Yeah. So I got some upcoming shows I want to mention. Uh, this week, uh, Richie Ramone on the 11th is playing Bowery Electric. Uh, the same night, you got Iggy Pop and directed Jim Jarmusch are uptown at the Kaufman Concert Hall, which I think is part of the 92nd Street Y, yeah. if I remember right. Uh, it's, I think it's a, an interview type thing. Uh, Jarmusch did a great documentary on the Stooges and Iggy Pop. You should check it out. Uh, October, I'm sorry, uh, September 15th, coming up next Sunday, okay? I'm going to be at this show. Uh, Black Uru, the great reggae band, are playing Sony Hall. I go see them every year. Me and my wife will be there if you want to buy us a drink or some 420, anything. It's all good. Um, October 24th, 999 is playing the Bowery Electric. They're an old English punk band. You should check them out. And then on October 31st, you got the Dickies playing Bowery Electric as well. Uh, also, I'm going to give a plug to Clown Con. Oh, Clown Con. Um, September 13th. Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th at um, the Hard Swallow. What's that, baby? Well, I got that already. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, Rob. September, right, Friday the 13th at 10 p.m. at the Hard Swallow is uh, Clown Con and yeah. Nefarious. Yeah, And uh, he, the way he described it on the Conspiracy Show, he, he said, I think, what, every hour there'll, be something, be, there, yeah, there'll be something else? Yeah, there'll be something else. I got to see what this is going to be. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, I also want to, when is the Undead Show? That's coming up, I believe, on the, I'm going to have to look it up. I believe it was on the 23rd or something. 23rd, I believe. Of at, September at, of, of, of this month, yeah. Are tickets still available? Oh, yeah. I think, I'm going to see if I can. Power, power see, you want to go to that show? I'll see if, I want to go to that show because yeah. I don't be working. I'm going to see if I can get it off a little earlier. Yeah, I'll, I'll check on the date with that. If, if, if anybody's curious, just go to the Bowery Electric site. Check out Bobby Steele. He's going to be playing this month there, too. That's all I got for you, my brother. You know what? This was a great show, man. Yeah. I got to give you a nice little plug. You did a great job. A Thank lot you. of research. Thank you. Um, Wait till next week. And next week, what, what we, we're going to talk about later in his later, life. Later stuff. We're going to talk about the Johnny Cash show, the TV yeah. show we had. We're going to talk about uh, eventually he would play in the Highwaymen. The yeah, Highwaymen, band with yeah. Chris Christopherson. Okay, I believe Willie Nelson was in that, right? Willie Nelson. I think it uh, was um, Wayne Jennings. Wayne Jennings. I think it was all of them. Okay? Yeah, it was like Fog the yeah. Highway Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we could talk about when he left Columbia and, 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 and Rick Rubin would pick him up for Def Jam. Yep. And his whole career would be resurrected for a new generation to discover his fantastic music. Yeah, great music. And we'll talk about his final years. Yep. All right. And remember, people, don't, don't get, get drunk, drunk, get lumped up. up.